You're listening to Rocky Mountain Review on 90.5 FM KCSU Fort Collins for Tuesday, February 13th. I'm Lee Zimpel, your news director. And I'm Tyler Weatherwax, your assistant news director. And we are the voices behind the Rocky Mountain Review news broadcast that airs every Tuesday and Thursday from 4 to 5 p.m. As always, we here at the Rocky Mountain Review strive to give you the most up-to-date, unbiased, and factual news. On today's show, learn about changes in the College of Liberal Arts leadership and get a preview of our feature story with Tyler and Campus News. And police are searching for a missing teen. More on that in local news with Lee. Then find out more about the career fair happening here on campus and some other events you can catch this week with Tyler in Life and Events. Later on in the broadcast, Colorado court cases could be on hold for the rest of the week after a cyber attack. Learn more in National with Lee. And with that, we'll get started with campus news. Hello, I'm Tyler Weatherwax, and this is your Colorado State University campus news. The College of Liberal Arts here on campus at Colorado State University will be seeing some changes to its leadership. The former Dean of Liberal Arts, Ben Withers, will soon have a new interim dean taking his position. Professor of Economics, Alyssa Brownston, will be taking on the responsibilities of Dean for the Liberal Arts College. She joined CSU in 2005, and she will continue the work of progressing liberal arts program until a full-time dean is appointed. Students of Colorado State University took a visit to the Colorado Capitol on Thursday. The students got to meet many politicians and engage in discussion, asking them questions to learn more about government. The Associated Students of Colorado State University also testified a bill they have been working on to help save not only CSU students' money, but all college students in the state of Colorado. The trip was a part of ASCSU's Day at the Capitol event, and any student who wished to attend was able to. You can hear more about this story for our future story today later on in the broadcast. Listen to interviews and learn more about the day with me coming up. Coming up right now is Lee, who will give you your local news updates. Learn more about a missing teen from Loveland that police are still searching for. In local news, Loveland police are a missing teen who was last seen four months ago, and now officials are asking for the public's help in finding them. The 15-year-old goes by the name Forrest and uses they-them pronouns. Their legal name is Melody Burns, and police say the teen has a history of running away from home. As of now, police believe this case could be a similar story, and they do not think there are any suspicious circumstances. Police say Forrest left their home in Loveland the night of October 6th. The teen goes to school in Fort Collins, but they have not been seen at school since they left. Forrest wears glasses and had black dyed hair when they were last seen. Police have been working with Forrest's family and friends, as well as neighboring law enforcement. Anyone with information on the case can call the Loveland Police Department or Larimer County Crime Stoppers. The Denver Zoo is opening a preserve in neighboring Weld County, and it'll focus on breeding efforts and animal care. The zoo announced Thursday it'll soon open the Lemke Family Reserve, and it'll be a 570-acre conservation facility. For reference, the zoo's main campus in Denver is just over 80 acres, and this is the first time the zoo has been able to expand out. In a news release, the zoo said it was limited by its urban campus before the expansion, but now the preserve could be a step capabilities for their animals. Denver Zoo president and says the preserve represents the start of a new era for the zoo. He says the zoo is grateful to the Lemke family and others in the community that worked together with the goal of saving wildlife for future generations. The preserve will not be open to the public, but it will give more space for the Denver campus as their animal facilities grow, and it could even let the zoo add new species to its program. The preserve will be built just outside Keensburg, and the plans to build it have already been in the works. 
At first, the preserve will start out as just extra space for holding animals, including being their temporary homes during habitat maintenance, or we plan to turn the reserve into the zoo says that in the later phase of the project, they'll be focused on conservation breeding and wild reintroduction of endangered species in Colorado. Water quality in northern Colorado was threatened by severe wildfires in 2020, and lawmakers are now trying to lower that risk with a new bill. In 2020, Fort Collins was covered with unforgettable orange skies and an eerie thick haze. That summer, the Cameron Peak Fire, which started mid-August and burned for nearly four months, became the biggest wildfire recorded in Colorado history. While that fire was happening, the East Troublesome Fire ignited in nearby Grand County, and that one became the second largest wildfire in state history. 2020 wildfire and issues across Colorado as a whole, and in Fort Collins, the fires threatened local watersheds, putting water quality on the line. Today, lawmakers are now proposing a federal bill to protect water quality, and they're using the issues fire urgency. One issue we saw right here in Fort Collins is a legal gap that makes it hard for water providers to protect their drinking water supply. In a news release from the Coalition for the Poudre River Watershed, Executive Director Hallie Strevy said the Cameron Peak Fire burned across three watersheds in the Arapaho-Roosevelt National Forest. The fire left changes to the environment that put watershed value at risk, which threatened water quality in Fort Collins. Addressing those post-fire changes is something that needs to happen quickly, but according to Strevy, most of the burn was on federal land, and because of that, getting funding for immediate recovery was challenging. That's because the existing emergency watershed protection program can only be used on private land. So now, with an effort to close that legal gap, a handful of Colorado and Utah lawmakers are working together to propose the Watershed Protection and Forest Recovery Act. It would create a program that would protect water quality when fires and other natural disasters happen on U.S. Forest Service land. The water struggles that Northern Colorado faced in 2020 are now being looked at as examples of the law not keeping up with wildfires worsened by climate change. For Collins City Manager Kelly DiMartino says the act is a needed solution to fix those unnecessary delays, and she says the city is grateful for and supportive of the proposed bill. Those were your local updates. Contributions to those stories come from the Coloradoan and CBS News. We'll take a break, and when we come back, you'll get an in-depth look into ASCSU's trip to the Capitol and more with Tyler. I'm Tyler Weatherwax with Life and Events. 
To celebrate the Lunar New Year here at CSU, the Colorado State University Asian Pacific American Cultural Center organized a Lunar New Year event on campus that took place this past Friday. The Lunar New Year is often considered one of the most important holidays for Chinese communities, and that importance carries over to CSU. The event had food, games, crafts, and more. It also acted as a valuable way to share the culture with students here on campus. A panel at the Fort Collins Book Festival held discussions on immigration stories in the Western United States. Authors joined the panel to share thoughts and perspectives on the American Western image and how the stories being written today are part of a changing mindset of how we view the American West. As Fort Collins is rooted as a part of that American Western history, it made this event the perfect place to have those discussions, and contributions for these stories come from the Rocky Mountain Collegian. Taking a look at the New York Times bestsellers list, you can hear what the top books are as of now. The number one fiction book this week is House of Flame and Shadow by Sarah J. Mass. Fourth Wing and Iron Flame, both by Rebecca Yaros, took the number two and number three spots. Sarah J. Mass also had another book at number four with House of Earth and Blood. And the number five spot for fiction on the New York Times bestsellers list is The Heaven and Earth Grocery Store by James McBride. As for nonfiction, the number one spot still belongs to Killers of the Flower Moon by David Grant. The second best-selling nonfiction book is The Boys in the Boat by Daniel James Brown. Number three is The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk. David Grant takes another spot on this list with number four is The Wager. And the fifth best-selling nonfiction book is Oath and Honor by Liz Cheney. Coming up tonight and tomorrow are some great events in the area that you can attend if you are looking to find something to do. At the Old Town Library, there will be a book signing with author Laura Pritchett. The event will be put together by Old Town, or excuse me, Old Firehouse Books. The event will start at 6 p.m. tonight if you want to meet the author and get a book signed. Today and tomorrow, we'll see the Colorado Career Fair as an in-person event right here on campus to help students pursue their professional goals after graduation. The event is a great chance to meet employers, advisors, and more people who can help. The event lasts from 10.30 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. tomorrow and will be held in the Lori Student Center. Uninvited community members, however, are not permitted to enter the event as the event is for students only. Coverage for these stories come from the Rocky Mountain Collegian. Coming up next is your feature story of the day covering ASCSU's Day at the Capitol in which they proposed a bill to a committee as well as meeting many politicians. Hello, I'm Tyler Weatherwax with the Rocky Mountain Review feature story for today. The Day at the Capitol event is a way for students to go to the Capitol to connect with politicians and see firsthand the work that they do. ASCSU Vice President Alex Silverhart shared his thoughts on the Day at the Capitol event and explained what the Day at the Capitol is for. My name is Alex Silverheart, and I am the ASCSU Vice President. Great. And then what are you hoping to accomplish here today with the ASCSU Day at the Capitol? So historically, Day at the Capitol has just been an opportunity for students to connect with a population that they would not typically come across on their day-to-day -day college experience, and this being the politicians that set the laws and legislature of Colorado. This year, we've kind of had a different focus of bringing specific bills and ideas that we have as students that would not only benefit our campus, but also our community in Fort Collins. One of those being the textbook tax bill, and then the other one being the housing occupancy limit, which has been a consistent problem within Fort Collins impacting students for decades. Absolutely. And then yeah. could you tell me a little bit about what the process was like putting this together and getting all of our students out here to the Capitol? Though? Yeah. So our director of governmental affairs was kind of the lead person on it. His name is Michael Stella. We set aside a budget every year um, for buses, um, but they did a lot of outreach in terms of reaching out to students within political science and other relevant majors that would be interested. And this is, I think, the largest group we've had um, in years. 
The event aimed to encourage student engagement, especially in politics. Students spoke to many politicians in the Capitol, including senators, representatives, lobbyists, and the governor of Colorado. Here is part of what Governor Polis told students in the Capitol. And yeah, if you talk to the sponsors of the textbook, they'll say, hey, you should talk to Representative Winter about you know, potentially expanding that to um, school supplies. Cool. Cool. Yeah. How can we as students talk more about the occupancy? Back to school item, meaning like bags, learning aids, personal computers, yeah. um, during uh, you know, July and August yeah. or something like that. Have you heard about the occupancy limits bill at all? That one's going well, yeah. too. You're also lobbying for that. That's yes, great. Yeah, we are. Yeah. That what are your already, thoughts on that? That's, that's great, too. So I think it's already passed the House. It's out of committee. Floor, going to the yeah. floor. Yeah. Uh, so what other bills are you talking about with people? Um, those, those, are, those are our two top priorities. We yeah. were just talking um, with another senator about a potential um, additional bill that um, Colorado Students Bill of Rights. Okay. Um, I haven't so, seen that. But yeah, yeah the, the more we can accept from the sales tax, the better. That's great. It saves people money. Uh, we're like 3%, basically. But then also sometimes the reason the sales tax is like 6 or 7% is because the other half is the local piece. Yeah. But sometimes if we get rid of our 3%, it challenges all. Then you go to your local government and say the state yeah. got rid of their 3%. You should get rid of your 4% too. Yeah, so. And we've had to start having those conversations with them as with well. With Collins, yeah. They're excited to get it. It's great. Exactly. Yeah, it seems so, like the county's like, rolling. So, yeah. Go get them. Yeah. yeah. Another important part of the day at the Capitol was making connections with people in the building as well as other students. The connections made with people who work inside the Capitol carry over to Colorado State University. ASCSU co-director of Graduate Affairs, Dr. Derek Neuberger, spoke about those connections. Hi, my name is Dr. Derek Neuberger, and I am the co-director of Graduate Affairs for ACSU. And then could you tell me a little bit about what you're hoping that students here will get out of the day of ASCSU's day at the Capitol? The goal is connections. And what's taken uh, time to get here is the organization that ACSU and funding that ACSU is providing to bring students here. And the connections hopefully go towards change. For example, uh, we just walked out of the Senate and we just talked to the senator and we made uh, Michael and uh, the chief of staff uh, Braxton just made a connection and they're gonna make they're gonna work on a higher education bill Wow and that's the purpose of coming here is yeah. making friends making names and changing being involved in politics on campus to help make change extra emphasis was put on student engagement this year due to ASCSU's work on a bill that could make university textbook sales tax exempt members of ASCSU testified in front of the House Finance Committee to move along the bill to remove taxes from textbooks in Colorado for college students. One speaker who testifies was, was Tangia Jung, who shared her thoughts about speaking at the Capitol for the textbook bill. My name is Tangia Jung, and I'm the Deputy Director of Finance. Can you walk me through a little bit about that process of getting this bill ready and getting this speech ready and what your presentation's kind of looking and what you hope to accomplish? Yeah, so Michael Stella over there and LSAP, have, they've done such an amazing job. This is such, in my opinion, such an important bill for all of us. Um, and I'm here to testify because I care so much, and there's so many students that you know, 
have struggles affording for tuition, housing, food, just any sort of cost of living on top of paying for you know majority of students. But I'm I'm really excited to talk to you know everybody and have everyone hear what I think. And Could you walk me through a little bit of your game plan for this presentation? Yeah, I just hope that you know these adults remember back to when they were students, uh, the financial burdens and financial stresses that they faced, or even you know children and students that they know right now and what they're going through. I hope that they can, you know, after what I say, they're able to relate and just see see things from our eyes. Right. One more question for you. Could you tell me maybe what you think the strongest part of your speech is? I think the strongest part of my speech is talking about how most textbooks, at least for me, can cost $100. And a lot of the times, in my personal experience, we don't get to use them. We maybe open the textbooks once. And it, in my opinion, is a waste of money. But teachers are going to assign them. And you're going to need them because you never know. The event was a success for ASCSU in their goal to engage students with government, and the hearing was also a success for them as their bill made it past the Colorado House of Representatives Finance Community and will now move on to the next steps in becoming a law. The efforts were made possible from Representative Andrew Basenecker. Here is what Representative Basenecker had to say after the successful committee hearing. Could you tell me a little bit about how you're feeling after that uh, committee hearing just went? Pleased and impressed with our students from CSU who came and testified, shared their perspectives, and I think ultimately really impacted how the committee felt about the bill. So I'm feeling great. Great. And then what are you looking forward to in the next step? Obviously, there's a lot of work still to be done. What are you hoping to, to do with that? that yeah, so the next step is this bill goes to the committee on appropriations because it does have a fiscal note relatively low. So um, that's usually not a barrier at that low level to be able to move a bill forward. And then that gives us some time to think about some of the ideas that the committee suggested in terms of expanding that um, sales tax exemption. We'll have to run some traps on that. See, Are you going to expand the sales trap? I think it's really to say involves some stakeholder work. So Department of Revenue obviously needs to weigh in on those things. Obviously, from a, I support that, any savings we can give to students. But then the fiscal implications and the implementation become a real question. So I think that's the work we have to do before we're ready to have that commitment. Great. What would you like to say in terms of student engagement State level. Oh my gosh, our students are amazing. <laughs> I mean, you saw them here today. The room was full of students. And I think, you know, ASCSU really sets the bar in terms of how to engage. I mean, these students come to events all the time. I know they're active at City Hall, they're active with our county commissioners, they're active here at the state legislature, they engage with our federal delegation. I mean, it's wonderful. It really does matter. And I think if I was to say anything, it's that your voice actually can make a difference in the process. Thank you for listening to the Rocky Mountain Review feature story for today. Coming up next after the break is Lee with your national news, including a story on a cyber attack this past week, as well as a bill relating to book bans.
is Ricky Fitness from the Aquabats, and you are listening to 90.5 KCSU. And I've been waiting for a girl like you to come into my life. Welcome back from the break. Here are some of the stories making national headlines so far this week. The Colorado Public Defender's Office announced it was hit with a cyber attack yesterday and it could be shut down for a week. The attack forced the office to shut down work systems. Without access to work computers, Colorado public defenders say they can't access court documents and they can't do any major work for clients in court. These issues are causing attorneys to ask for delays in their court cases. Office spokesman James Carback confirmed the breach in a statement Monday. He says some data in the office's computer system was encrypted by malware. Carback did not say how long the office expects to be shut down or when the attack happened, but internal excuse me, but internal emails reviewed by the Denver Post shut down as a possibility. Another email that notified officials of the attack indicated it could have happened Friday just before noon, and the notice also said the attack should not be a threat to the wider court system. Carback says the temporary office shutdown is a preventive measure. According to the Denver Post, the agency could have been hacked with ransomware, which is when attackers basically hold data hostage and they demand payment in cryptocurrency in order for that data to be returned. The MSU Denver Chair of Computer Sciences, Steve Beattie, says that ransomware attacks are common. He says in the last few years in Colorado, a handful of city and state systems were targeted, like the Department of Transportation or Regis University. BD says that the crime is relatively easy to get away with, and about half of targeted organizations end up paying the ransom. And between January 2022 and November last year, nearly 500 data breaches that had Coloradans' personal information were reported to the state attorney general's office. That list included Colorado businesses, governments, and institutions. BD says the attacks usually are delivered into a system if a person clicks a bad link, oftentimes in an email, or by exploiting a software bug. With how easy it is, BD says it's important to keep systems themselves and their protections up to date, and that includes the software on personal devices. Even though ransomware attacks have been mostly targeting government agencies, Mark Weatherford of the National Cybersecurity Center, which is a Colorado Springs nonprofit, says they're concerned about the individual people who get their sensitive information leaked in these attacks. The cyber attack at the public defender's office worries Weatherford because of the kind of data it was concerned about the private information of all the office's clients who are part of ongoing cases. Last year saw a record surge of challenges to books in public libraries across the country. The American Library Association recorded a 20% increase in challenges in the first eight months of last year, compared to that same period in 2022. What's unique about 2022 is that the ALA says it was the year with the highest number of book challenges, and last year's surge was a record bump in the frequency of those challenges. When a book is challenged, it ends up putting the bus hairs for restriction or downright removal from schools or libraries. The ALA says most of the challenges target books that were written by or about a person of color or a member of the LGBTQ community. With the uptick in how often books are being challenged nationwide, Colorado lawmakers have been working on the Freedom to Read bill. 
The proposed bill aims to set a process for challenging a book in the state, which could help create some standards in what actually warrants a ban. Colorado State Senator Lisa Cutter is one of the frontliner sponsors of the feria that a person needs to meet before they can challenge a book, and also to ensure that books are not removed over discriminatory or partisan reasons. For example, Cutter says that in the school portion of the bill, in order to challenge a book at a specific school or district, you have to have a child that actually goes to said school or district. Cutter says that sometimes book challenges do happen for legitimate reasons, but she says she wants to be sure there are clear guidelines in Colorado when it happens. The bill is still being drafted because Cutter says they're trying to balance the book challenge process in a way that still considers concerns, but does so meaning out of harm possible across the board. Cutter also says she wants to respect local control, as well as suggest a process that transparency and accountability. According to Denver 7, Cutter says she hopes the bill will head to the Education Committee next week. So with that, here's a quick look at what else you need to know for today. After tense negotiations, the Senate finally passed a high-stakes funding package this morning. The package will send over $95 billion in aid towards Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan, and towards the U.S.-Mexico border. President Biden says supporting the bill was, quote, standing up to Putin. And before the bill was passed, Biden said opposing Ukraine funding would be doing the opposite. Over the weekend, Trump said he'd allow Russia to do whatever it wants to NATO member nations who, quote, don't pay their bills. Before the package was passed, Trump was spearheading a wave of opposition against it, which kept it stalling in Senate over the course of months. And anti-Semitism and safety fears are surging in Jewish people across the U.S. A survey found that a quarter of American Jews said they were targeted with anti-Semitism in the past year, and nearly half said they changed their behavior in order to avoid anti-Semitism. The survey comes from the American Jewish Committee. The AJC started its survey five years ago after the Tree of Life synagogue mass shooting in Pittsburgh. Since the massacre and with the Israel-Hamas war, the survey says most Jews and over half of Americans believe anti-Semitism has increased. Then lastly, an Oregon resident was diagnosed with the bubonic plague. Public health officials say they likely got it from a sick pet cat. The infected person and their close contacts have all been given medication, and the cat was also treated but did not survive. The plague is not common, but this isn't the first time in recent history it's popped up in the U.S. Experts say a handful of cases happen every year. The world is illness. Today, we can still treat it effectively if patients get the care they need in time. For now, Oregon health officials are saying there does not seem to be a risk to the larger community. That'll wrap up your national news for now. And coming up, Tyler will give you the rundown in CSU Sports right after the break. I'm DJ Knox, and you're listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. Hello, I'm Tyler Weatherwax with your Colorado State University sports updates. The CSU men's basketball team has extended their winning streak to four games after a win against San Jose State this past Friday after they won 66-47. The Rams' next game will be tonight at 7 p.m. against San Diego State starting at 7 p.m. 
The game is away, and as for women's basketball, their next game will be Wednesday night starting at 7.30 p.m. and is also an away game. The women's team is coming off of a loss to New Mexico, and their next home game will be Saturday, February 17th against Wyoming. So make sure to get your tickets to support the Rams. CSU's women's softball season has begun, and the Rams are already off to a hot start playing in the Easton Classic. On the first day of games, the Rams went 1-1, one one, winning against Pacific for their first game. However, they lost later that day against Cal State Fullerton. The Rams continued the season with a win against UIC as well as Southern Utah. However, they lost again to Cal State Fullerton. The Rams will continue to play next in the Torino Classic. The first home game of the season will be March 1st against Iowa State. After the weekend snow, we've got a couple days of sun before we see the snow make a comeback. Tonight, it'll be mostly cloudy and we'll see a low of 21. We'll have a little bit of a breeze, but it should die down after midnight. And Wednesday, we'll see a mostly sunny sky in a high near 51 degrees. We can expect some light and variable winds, but it could pick up to be pretty windy in the afternoon. Wednesday night, we'll have some clouds roll in as temps drop to a low of 21. The wind from the day should calm down a bit in the evening, especially after midnight. Then on Thursday, it'll be another mostly sunny day with a high of 49. We'll see a similar pattern with a breeze that could pick up a bit in the afternoon. And Thursday night, we'll then see a, a slight chance for rain and snow between 8 p.m. and midnight. After midnight, that could change to just a chance of snow and winds could pick up quite a bit that night. And it'll be mostly cloudy with a low of 20 degrees. If you want the rest of the week's weather forecast, you can catch that on Thursday with us at 4 p.m. And information for this forecast comes from the National Weather Service. And that is all for today. We would like to thank Damien Castile for our amazing theme music. We'd also like to thank the rest of our staff here at KCSU and Rocky Mountain Student Media. We couldn't do this without you. Finally, we couldn't do this without you, dear listener, so thank you. If you missed any part of today's show, you can find the RMR podcast on kcsufm.com under the news or podcast section. You can also find us on Spotify or anywhere else you listen to your podcasts by searching KCSU News. And with that, we'll see you next time.